Did you feel like something super epic was about to happen? Well, sorry to burst your bubble, uh, but it's just me, Will the Hi-Hat Brewer here, bringing you this week's episode of uh, Hi-Hat Ready Ho. Ready Ho? Episode? Is it an episode if it's a podcast? Is it a track? You know, is it a record? Is it a uh, a file? Hmm. Whatever it is, uh, we're here and we're checking in and we're live. It is actually Monday. Uh, this is starting to become a habit, honestly. I may just start uploading new episodes on Tuesdays just because I usually just get busy on the weekends and I don't really feel like sitting down and recording a podcast. I, get, I mean, not that it's hard. I actually do enjoy it, but... I don't know. I just don't usually have time. Uh, Sundays are usually dedicated to either A, uh, brewing a beer, which was the case yesterday, or B, uh, going out and exploring somewhere, So, uh, which is going to be the case next weekend. So Mondays might be the better day just because I'm home. I get off work. I can come home. I can uh, sit down and, and press the record button. Anyway, uh, let's see. Yesterday, I did brew an Imperial Stout. Actually, uh, if you saw my Instagram... Don't mind that. That was just my oven preheating. Uh, if you saw my Instagram post and or my Facebook post yesterday, uh, no, that was not an April Fool's joke. I really did brew an Imperial Stout. It really does have a ridiculous uh, re- uh, recipe addition, a ridiculous ingredient. Um... And if anyone can actually get, first off, it's not really a fair competition, so or, or sort of giveaway, if you will, uh, because no one is ever going to guess what this ingredient is. And everyone so far that's commented has been like, you know, Cadbury eggs, Reese's peanut butter, cereal, uh, Peeps, you know. And look, that stuff's first of all, that's way too easy. That's so cliche. Easter candy, I get it. A stout, you know, can you know. Second of all, all that's almost all already been done. It seems like within the past week or two. Like I've seen tons of posts about craft brewers uh, and and home brewers alike throwing like peeps and jelly beans and Cadbury eggs and candy and stuff in beer. And it's like, no. If you know me, you know that's not the route we're going. This is this is way out of left field. No one is ever ever gonna get. I would be so shocked. Uh, but if someone does guess, I'm going to give them some of this beer once it's finally done conditioning. And that's uh, that's sort of pending that uh, I guess the whole thing sh- could sort of become an April Fool's joke. Maybe that's my fail safe, like my insurance if if the beer ends up sucking or something goes wrong with it. So a few things. Uh, number one, the ingredient itself, uh, very, very, very unconventional beer ingredient. So we'll see how that turns out. Number two. I had some issues with efficiency uh, again. However, this time I don't really think so much of it was in the process as it just was in my my own sloppiness and also uh, perhaps something to do with the base mall and perhaps something to do with the home brew store. So I'd been planning on brewing this beer for about uh, two weeks now. Uh, I knew I wanted to do it on April Fool's Day to kind of go along with the theme of the ingredient and the giveaway and, and all of that. Uh, and it was on the weekend, so it worked out. Um, 
I knew it was going to be an Imperial Stout. I was debating on whether I wanted to use the rest of that Double Eagle uh, Rustic Two-Row Malt that I got from the uh, Philly Homebrew Outlet a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I made that post talking about that. Uh, I've had it sealed up and sitting in my uh, closet there, the bag tied and everything. The grain the grain isn't crushed, so I figured it's, it's kept fine. Um, and But I also wasn't sure how much of it I had. I actually needed about eight pounds of... Uh, base malt for this recipe i was aiming for an original gravity around 1090 1090 i believe it was right at 1090 uh in in a three gallon batch i needed eight pounds of of base malt and then there was going to be uh a pound of roasted malt a pound of or a half a pound of caramel 80 a half a pound of biscuit malt and a half half pound of flaked barley that was the recipe uh, and I was in between using either the uh, Double Eagle malt or just picking up some Maris Otter for the base because they're kind of both the same Lovabon, about three, a little more uh, characterful base malt, if you will. Uh, in the end, I ended up going with the Double Eagle just to go ahead and use it because I thought, you know, what else am I saving it for? I really wanted to use it in something that I could, it would kind of highlight the flavor of it without so much roasted malt like there's going to be in this beer. But then I thought, you know... I don't want it to sit back there and get stale or something like that, so I'm just going to use it in this. So that's what I did. Uh, and I did use the other uh, four, I think it was four pounds of it that I had in a lighter uh, red ale that I brewed a while back, if you remember. So, And I haven't actually tasted that yet. That's in the keg. Uh, it's been in the fridge for about uh, about 10, 10 or 11 days now. I want to give that one plenty of time uh, to kind of mature before I tap it. So can't report on that just yet, but... Um, I did end up using the rest of that for the Imperial Stout. Now, so I don't know if because that malt, uh, you know, effectively has been sitting in my closet for, I guess, about two, three weeks now. Maybe it it sort of lost, but that doesn't make sense. It wouldn't, malt wouldn't go bad that fast. And it was sealed just as good as it would have been at a homebrew store. Like, you know, it was airtight in a, in a tied up plastic bag, sealed up in a box, like, it wouldn't have gone bad, so not crushed, like I said. So I'm not really thinking that's it, unless there's just something inherently wrong with that malt to begin with, or if it wasn't stored properly from the home brew store that I got it from, or if people, you know, if there's an issue with the maltster. I, I don't know. I haven't used it before, obviously. I, I sourced it from Philadelphia after seeing a post online about it, so I can't say, but I wouldn't think there would be any issues like that, so... Um, I didn't see any efficiency problems in the red ale per se, but I did have a little bit of an attenuation issue, I believe, which could have been my high mash temperature. Anyway, I, I digress. So I used that malt. Um, now, Sunday was Easter as well as April Fool's Day. So most things were closed uh, for Easter, and I actually did not go to the homebrew store on Saturday and pick up the ingredients like I originally had planned uh, because my dad had actually paid me a visit, a surprise visit last minute. He texted me on Friday, told me he would be coming into town. He actually hauls equipment for a living, so he was driving out to North Carolina uh, on Friday afternoon, and he ended up driving up to Maryland and spending the weekend with me. So he was here on Saturday. We went out, uh, and so I did not make it to the home brew store on Saturday. So I wasn't able to pick those ingredients up, and I missed – a homebrew roundtable uh, that Extreme Brewing in, in Laurel, Delaware held uh, 
that I was actually really looking forward to going to. I was going to take some beer and share it, some uh, pale ale and uh, light American lager, share that with the guys, but ended up not going to that. And so, yeah. But anyway, ended up not picking up my ingredients on Saturday. Didn't think anything about it. Well, Sunday rolls around. Dad leaves early that morning. And I'm like, all right, cool. I get to brew now. I've already made my yeast starter. I had the uh, Imperial Organic Darkness. I think it's A01. That had been on a stir plate since Wednesday night, I believe. I'd already crashed that in the fridge on Thursday night or Friday night, one of the two. Uh, It was ready to to decant and ready to go. Uh, But I didn't have my ingredients. And then I thought... It hit me all at the last minute, like, oh, crap, it's it's Sunday, it's Easter. I'm not going to be able to go pick that stuff up, so what am I going to do? All the homebrew stores are closed, according to online. Uh, the only one I found that happened to be, uh, that showed to be open, rather, uh, they showed to be open from 2 to 4, and it was down in Snow Hill, which is about, um, about 20 minutes south of me. So I thought I'll drive 20 minutes if they're open, but I better check first. So I sent them a Facebook message. Uh, asking if they would be actually be open today. And uh, about 30 minutes later, the owner of the store messaged me back and said he would open the store whenever time I was coming through, just let him know, and he would open it up and sell me some grain. So I thought, hell yeah, that's perfect. Um, so I ended up talking to him a little bit. Uh, he actually ended up taking my order and having it ready for me when I got there. So uh, I hauled my eight pounds of, uh, of Double Eagle malt to the store, a real small store there, uh, Brews Up is the name of it, and they actually do, it's a homebrew store and wine kits, and they also hold like a brew, uh, kind of brew your own little session, so people can get together in groups of two or five or ten or however many, uh, and pay like something like 30 bucks each, and you go in and you have a brew day, he sets everything up, you either brew a beer or you can make a wine, you can taste beer or wine while you're there that he's got to sample, uh, you can bottle up some wine or beer at the end, put a label on it, take it home with you. Really cool idea. Um, but anyway, he also runs a, a homebrew store along with that. So he uh, he weighed all my grains out, had it ready to go when I got there. We crushed it, and I uh, crushed my uh, two-row malt that I had to, to go with it. And um, so that's where my second kind of curiosity comes as far as the efficiency issue that I had was that uh, – Obviously, I've never used any grain from this guy's store before. Being a very small store, uh, I suppose there is a chance that maybe his grains were old, uh, which could have hindered efficiency a little bit. However, again, the bulk of the recipe being the base malt was my malt, so not really sure if that's the case. The thing I'm leaning most towards, uh, one of two things, is is his mill. So he used a very, very small uh, mill powered by a hand drill, which isn't uncommon, uh, but he did note, because I actually asked him about it because it was such a small meal, uh, I thought, oh, man, if I could find one that small, I could keep my own, you know, and just meal my own grain at home and have a consistent crush and all that. Uh, and I was asking him about it, and he actually told me that he's had that meal for several years and has put several drills through it. That's the comment that he made. I've had three or four different drills on this thing. I've had it for years, and it's, it's gone through thousands of pounds of grain or whatever is what he said, which sounds like an awesome story at, at Initially, but then you kind of start thinking, well, how worn out are those rollers? How good is that meal really still crushing the grain? Uh, just to my untrained, I mean, I would say untrained. I don't spend a lot of time studying my crush usually. Uh, and I go to different homebrew stores all the time. So my crush certainly changes all the time. Uh, but perhaps the crush wasn't the greatest. 
we only ran it through once, so I, maybe that could have been a factor as well. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not upset about it because I got all the ingredients I needed for a brew day on Sunday. So picked that up, picked up two ounces of Columbus hops, uh, headed to the house. Now, uh, if you're familiar with Imperial Stout or Big Beer Brewing, what that essentially means is you're going to have a lot of grain, a lot more grain than you're used to using. Most of my batches fall somewhere between the five and seven pounds of grain range. This one was just over 10 pounds, um, meaning that uh, it took a lot more water. It took, uh, I ended up having probably a thicker grist, a thicker uh, grain to water ratio in my mash tun. Uh, it took a little bit longer for me to get everything stirred in. Um, I, you know, when I adjusted with lactic acid, uh, it took actually two adjustments to get it, the pH down to a level where I wanted it. Um, so I had to open the mash and kind of stir after the first 15 minutes or so, you know, all of these excuses basically just to say my efficiency ended up being instead of the predicted, uh, or the S the calculated, uh, 73%, I ended up getting about 60% efficiency. So and I've heard in the past too from home brewers that you know it's it's almost it's usually good practice to just if you're doing a bigger beer with a bigger grain bill, adjust your efficiency down a little bit to account for that because you're probably going to see some loss. So uh, I know I'm not the first person to suffer that. So in the future, if I get my grain bills up around 10 pounds, I'll probably just drop about 10% efficiency. Um, another thing I did, uh, kind of not paying attention, uh, and you know that's my fault. Sometimes I get distracted on brew day. Um, after I drained my first runnings, I left the valve on the cooler open into the kettle, thankfully, and, and dumped in my batch barge water. So as soon as I dumped that water in, it based, you know, about probably 60 or 70% of it went straight through the grain bed and right out into the kettle without really getting to soak any of that sugar up. So that didn't help matters much. But I know that that wasn't the root cause because I actually checked the gravity of my first runnings and uh, they were a little bit low to begin with. So I didn't just, I didn't really didn't get good efficiency. Um, so as I said, in the future, I think what I'll do is I'll lower that a little bit, probably about 10% once we get around that 10 pound range. And also I read another tip on a, on some website or Reddit or I read it somewhere. Someone's recommending, you know, go ahead and use your refractometer to take, take a gravity reading from the mash tun, see where you're at at the end of 60 minutes. If you're a little bit shy, go ahead and maybe extend your mash another 15 minutes or so. See if it kind of brings some more, uh, sugars out, which is a good idea. I may start doing that just to kind of as a safeguard before you start draining your ward out, you know, kind of see where you are. So I may put that into practice, but anyway, I said all that to say that essentially the, uh, the 9% Imperial stout that I had planned ended up coming in around 1073, 1072 original gravity, which means it's only, if it attenuates to the 10, I think the predicted or uh, final gravity was like 1022. So if it only attenuates down to that, you're talking about seven, seven and a half percent, which is not, not enough for this beer. I want this to be a big beer with big flavor, a big punch. It's got some crazy ingredients. I want it to really get the job done. So, um, I don't want, you know, a dry stout. I want an imperial stout. So I'm going to do an audible. Uh, basically what I've decided, I was going to just leave it and let it do its thing, but I think instead what I'm going to do uh, it's fermenting now. It's actually fermenting pretty vigorously. Uh, in fact, I started, I pitched at 62 degrees um, 
which is the low end for for the darkness strain for what they recommend. Um, and about uh, I pitched last night around seven o'clock. This morning, uh, fermentation was already going steady. Steady bubbles coming from the blow-off tube. Uh, and then when I got home from work, I'd actually replaced the frozen jugs that I keep in my fermentation bag there to kind of keep the temperatures cool. Uh, I put those in there with a heat belt. I've showed pictures of that before and an ink bird uh, to kind of kick the heat belt on and off. And then I'll replace the frozen jugs as necessary. Um, usually that does a pretty good job. But in the low 60s, when fermentation is really taken off, if I'm not doing a lager, if I'm doing an ale, uh, especially one with a lot of sugar in it like that, it's bubbling away, and it's even with that frozen jug in there, it's pushed my temperature all the way up to 65. So I threw some fresh ice in after work, uh, but it's it's pumping away. So I'm going to give that probably another 12 to 24 hours and see if it kind of starts to show signs of calming down just a little bit. Uh, not completely finishing, but just calming down some. And once it does that, I'm going to toss in, I've calculated, 20 ounces of organic agave nectar. Uh, and so what that's going to do is that's going to bring my gravity theoretically, uh, back up to what would have been a 1.100 gravity beer, uh, had I added that agave to the boil. However, uh, in my own personal research and readings that I've done, if you're, if you're fermenting big beers up, up around the, uh, 1.1 gravity point range, it helps to kind of hold off some of those simple sugars until sort of halfway into fermentation. That way your yeast start munching on the maltose and the maltotriose or whatever. Uh, the more complex uh, sugars in the wort, if they have all those simple sugars like agave or honey or corn sugar, something like that in there, uh, they're going to eat those first and they can kind of get tired out. And then you might have a, a under attenuated beer. So to try to avoid that, I'm going to wait and add it uh, a, a little bit through the the most hefty part of fermentation. So once it starts to slow down, I'm going to toss 20 ounces of agave in there. Um, that should put us somewhere in the 10% alcohol range once it all ferments out. Um, I'm debating on if I want to add a little bit more pure oxygen when I do that as well, just to kind of really get those yeast working. Uh, but there's so much activity in there right now. I don't really think there would be an issue. And it, I do kind of worry about introducing some possible off flavors. If there's not enough activity from the agave to really need all the oxygen that I would put in there. So I don't know. I'm debating on that part still, but, uh, excuse me. Someone doesn't know I'm podcasting right now. Um, anyway, so that's the plan. So a couple audibles, um, you know, depending on how it turns out, the only concern I have really, uh, I do plan on letting this beer age, as I said in the post. I think I'm going to bottle, I'm definitely going to bottle the whole thing. And I'm thinking about just keeping them all the way until November 1st, which is International Stout Day. So I thought that would be good. That's a good, uh, let's see, what is it, April, uh, May, June, July, August, and October, seven months, which is pretty good aging period for uh, an imperial stout and on top of that um it kind of works out that it's an international stout day so i'm thinking i'll wait till then so it'll have plenty of time it shouldn't be too hot or alcoholic or have any fusels or anything really the only concern i have with the agave uh addition is that it might dry the beer out too much it might force it to a much lower uh final gravity than i really want so 
hopefully hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we don't end up with a really thin, hot beer. Um, so that's why I say, worst case scenario, if it turns out terrible, I'll just say the whole thing was an April Fool's joke and I won't actually share it with anybody. But uh, I don't think that'll be the case, even though, you know, the issues are what they are, but I think it'll be fine. So anyway, that's what I did Sunday. Uh, Saturday, as I said, my dad came out to visit. Uh, we did actually have one good day of weather. I thought spring was upon us, but uh, alas, today it was cold again here in Maryland, so I'm not sure. Maybe by May we'll have some sunny, some consistent sunny weather, but Saturday was nice. Um, we had we had some good sunshine. We drove over to Ocean City, uh, Ocean City, Maryland, on the coast there. Walked up and down the boardwalk a little bit, ate some Blue crabs, some traditional Maryland blue, blue crabs. Uh, I grew up eating seafood a lot in Florida, and uh, as a as a lover of crab legs, I can honestly say that although blue crab does have a very good flavor, um, snow crab is definitely where it's at. You definitely you get a lot more meat for your effort. Um, I actually took the time to look up, and this kind of sounds cheesy, but I actually took the time to look up uh, YouTube videos on how to properly crack and eat blue crab just because I didn't really eat a lot of that growing up and I didn't want to look like a fool. I didn't want to waste any of it, obviously, so because it's expensive. Um, so I knew what I was doing. I was able to get meat out of there, you know, crack the whole thing, the claws, the legs, the, the shell, the body, all of that stuff. But you just, even when you do it properly, you just don't really get those big chunks of meat like you get from snow crab. Um, and to me, the flavor isn't, isn't different enough to really just go for that over the snow crab legs but i get that it's what the locals like and that's fine we enjoyed it nonetheless had a few beers i had a yingling draft just because the the beer list uh at the at the restaurant we went to wasn't all that extensive but uh yingling's pretty good i figured good clean light beer be good to go with crab legs so i enjoyed it we had a good time uh this weekend uh, I'm excited. I'm actually finally going to go to Philadelphia. I still haven't managed to set up a tour of Lincoln Financial, uh, despite my best efforts on Twitter, uh, reaching out to Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and a few of the other Eagles players. And I'd actually tagged the Lincoln Financial Center itself and the Philadelphia Eagles Twitter handle. Uh, nobody seemed to want to throw any tickets my way. So I guess that's not going to happen, but I am excited to – try some beer in philadelphia uh lots of good breweries up there definitely going to go to tired hands definitely going to go to evil genius uh, may end up going to a few more uh as i said before i made that friend there uh, i may end up meeting with him and going to a phillies game of course opening season's going on now not the biggest baseball fan but i'll definitely go to a baseball game especially if he gives me a ticket <laughs> so we'll see but nonetheless i mean, we may meet up and have a beer or something like that uh definitely going to check out some of the touristy stuff like i said uh the Liberty Bell and things like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to the girlfriend coming to visit actually in three weeks now. She's going to be flying out on April 26th. Uh, staying through the weekend, we're going to go up to D.C. Uh, neither of us have ever been there, so we'll spend a couple of days in, in the capital there. Check out some of the museums, the monuments. Probably eat some good food, probably drink some good beer. She likes beer almost as much as me, so we always try to do that. Um, speaking of the girlfriend, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably saw the post I made. Hi Hat Brewing has a new logo. Uh, 
we kind of been talking about it for a while. It seems like, you know, the the kind of classic um the sort of classic top hat monocle mustache character is is a little bit played out. Uh so we you know, we kind of wanted to change it up a little bit, have something a little more unique, uh more modern, more uh logo friendly, marketable, um and definitive of hi-hat brewing. And so uh, lots of people use certain variations of that same logo that I've had. So we wanted to kind of switch it up. We've been tossing ideas back and forth for the past week or so. And we finally landed on the uh, the new logo that you saw there on the uh, on the post that I made. So that'll be the logo that you see from here on out. I actually already changed it on the Facebook and Instagram as of, uh, as of earlier Monday morning. So um, you may have already you may have seen it already. Uh, I'm really happy the way it came out. It's very simple, uh, very uh, sort of sophisticated, but with the little barley leaf there. You know, it says brewing. It says hi hat. Uh, it's unique. I haven't seen anything like it, so I'm excited to start using that in future pictures and videos and things like that. Speaking of videos, uh, the tasting video of the American Pale Ale that I entered into the National Homebrew Competition will be up this Friday. Uh, I'm going to start working on putting that together this week, and I'm going to get that put out. Um, really happy with how that beer turned out, especially the bottle conditioned version, which I'm surprised to report, given that it is a hoppier beer. Uh, those are generally much better out of the keg and much more difficult to bottle and not have oxygen problems. Uh, and freshness issues. However, uh, the keg was good initially, but I started having some questionable flavors come out uh, after about week two and into week three. And I actually talk about that in the video, so I won't go over it too much here, but just stay tuned and watch that video. You'll, uh, I'll go over that more in detail then. But the important thing is that it came out great. Uh, those bottles did all arrive safely at their location in Kansas City, according to the UPS tracking information that I got. So Hopefully they got there uh, without any issues, without too much heat or any sort of damage, uh, and they will present well to the judges at the National Homebrew Competition. Not sure exactly when the first round judging takes place. I'll have to look that up. I think it's on their website. But I think it's pretty soon. It may even be this week. Um, so looking forward to get the results back. Uh, of course, I will be sharing those, so stay tuned. A uh, couple more. I will end up doing a light American lager uh, tasting video and posting that as well. I'm actually still drinking on the keg of that, but I'll, I'll crack a bottle open to see how the bottle's faring up to the keg version. Um, but anyway, until then, until next week, probably until next Tuesday, uh, I'll be checking in with you guys then. Appreciate you listening. If you're not listening on iTunes or Stitcher, uh, or if you don't really have a good place to listen to podcasts, you might check out Radio Public. Uh, it's a new platform that I submitted the podcast to about a week ago. Uh, you can find this podcast on there. You can find other podcasts on there. Uh, and it's just a really simplified uh, platform application to use. I like it a lot. Uh, you can search. It just seems like it's much easier to find things on there. Um, and there's not a lot of clutter. It gives you con consistent updates. Uh, so if you're if you're looking for a new platform, you're not really happy with the one you use, or if you, you know, just find this podcast from a link that I post or something like that, which I doubt. But if that's the case, uh, head over to Radio Public, check that out. Uh, search this podcast, subscribe, check out some other ones on there. Leave some feedback, like my pictures, share my videos, uh, hit me up, message me. We'll chat. We'll meet up if I'm in your area. Appreciate you guys as always, and I'll check in the next one. See ya.